So, if you would, this evening, take your Bible and turn to the book of Habakkuk. Yeah, you probably don't turn to the book of Habakkuk every day. So, if you turn to about the middle of your Bible, start going to the right a little bit, you should come across some short little books. We've got Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, and then the little book of Habakkuk. And if you come to Zephaniah, you've gone too far. Habakkuk. So this evening we're going to be starting a series in the book of Habakkuk. So over the summer, you are going to learn where that book is. Hopefully the series we'll be able to do during the summer. And I've titled it, Live by Faith, Studying the Book of Habakkuk. If you would turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. This is not our text for this evening, but this is where the title of my series comes from. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. This is probably the most well-known verse in the book of Habakkuk. But you don't know it from the book of Habakkuk. You know it because the Apostle Paul quotes it twice in his writings. The author of Hebrew quote, author of Hebrews quite... Let me try again. The author of Hebrews quotes it in the book of Hebrews. This is an important verse talking about how the just person, the one who's right, right with God, lives by faith. He lives by means of faith. The idea, other words we could use for faith would be dependence, trust. The righteous person lives by means of trusting in God. So that's the big picture of the book of Habakkuk. That you have, that we as believers, need to live by faith. And the reason we need to live by faith is because sometimes the reality that we see in front of us doesn't seem to quite match up with who God is, what the Bible says, and and we have to live by faith. We have to take God at his word. We have to trust him. So, this evening we are going to be in Habakkuk chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the first four verses. But before we look at these verses, I want to just talk a little bit about the book of Habakkuk. We don't know much about Habakkuk himself, the man Habakkuk, except in verse 1 of chapter 1, he identifies himself as a prophet. We do have some idea of when he lived, when he wrote this book, He wrote it after the Assyrian Empire came and took over the northern kingdom of Israel, which occurred in 721 B.C. But he wrote before the Babylonians came and took over the southern kingdom of Judah, which occurred in 597 B.C. So sometime in those intervening years, Habakkuk writes these words, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In 
Habakkuk saw something in his society, in the nation of Judah, that troubled him. He saw all this evil, all this injustice. And he couldn't understand how God could allow this injustice to continue, how God could allow this wickedness in his society. So let's look at these first four verses in the book of Habakkuk. I'm going to read them, and then we're going to pause, ask the Lord's blessing as we look into, these wor- into this text. Habakkuk chapter 1, ver- beginning of verse 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity? And cause me to behold grievance. For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked. And judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. Let's pause and ask the Lord's blessing. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these few verses in the book of Habakkuk. And Lord, we recognize that these are not easy verses. This is not an easy message. But we thank you that there is truth even in the hard parts of your word. We ask that you would guide us into truth. We ask these things in the precious name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we read through those verses, you might think, that sounds a little bit like our society. There's violence. There's spoiling or destruction. There's strife or contention. The idea would be there's this fighting going on. There's, it says in verse 4, the law is slacked. In other words, basically the, the law can't do what it's supposed to do. It's It can't accomplish its purpose. Judgment doth never go forth. The wicked compasses about. The wicked surround the righteous. Like we are overwhelmed by the number of the wicked around us. Sounds a little bit like our society. Maybe our society is actually better than theirs. We may not have gone as far down this path as they have. But we're certainly heading down that path. Like I said in my prayer, this is not an easy message. If you came this evening looking for some encouragement, I have to apologize. You might not get a lot of encouragement. At least, you might not think of it as encouragement. Now, I do want to give you some hope before we leave. But, this message is going to be real. It's going to talk about real difficulties, real trials, because that that is where we live, is it not? We live with the reality of evil. There's evil in our world, and we can't whitewash that. We can't pretend, oh, there's there's nothing wrong in our society. 
everything's fine with the world, there is evil in our society. Perhaps on a Sunday morning, you come to church, and you've had a really hard week. Sound familiar? Anyone? Ever? And the song leader gets up and says, we're going to sing, Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Well, in your mind, you might agree, yeah, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. But you might not really be feeling it. You might feel more like singing, Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song as the burdens press and the cares distress? And the way grows weary and long. And we all know what that, the chorus of that song is, yes, Jesus does care. But it's the the questioning of, does Jesus really care? I've had this really hard week, and I know that he cares, but still I question, does he care? That is what we would call a lament. A lament is a passionate expression of grief or of sorrow or of regret. And that is what we have here in the beginning of the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is lamenting the state of his society, the evil in his society. And you know, we don't lament very much. We, we, we as Christians think, we tend to think it's wrong to lament. If I say, if someone comes up to me and says, how are you doing? Well, there's a right answer to that question, right? I'm doing fine. And if someone says, well, I've had a really hard week, you're like, no, I wasn't really asking you how you were doing. <laughs> I was just greeting you. There's, there's an answer to that question, right? But we don't really, it it, it feels wrong to lament, to express our sorrows in that way. But it is biblical. Many of the Psalms, I believe I saw that if you categorize the Psalms out into the various categories, there are more laments than any other category of Psalm. So it is definitely biblical to lament. So what can we learn from this lament? Bacchic offers us an example of a particular hardship to lament. This is the hardship of injustice and evil in our society. But really, it doesn't have to be so broad. You can lament the evil, the injustice, the wrongs in your own life as well. So this is the big idea that I want for us to go away with this evening. And really consider this as an invitation. This is not a command. You do not command someone to lament. If it's a true lament, it is something from the heart. So consider this as an invitation, not as a command. That is not what I was expecting. 
That was Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, which we already looked at. That's a blank slide. There we go. When injustice occurs, come to the Lord in lament. It's an invitation. When there is injustice, when someone wrongs you, or when you see wrongs in society, come to the Lord in lament. So here in Habakkuk chapter 1, specifically verses 2, 3, and 4, we're going to see two questions that we may ask the Lord in our lament. First question that we see is in verse 2, and that is, O Lord, how long? Look at verse 2 with me. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. So last month we finished our series in the book of 2 Thessalonians. And in that series we saw the need for us as believers to remain faithful, to continue on, to persevere, till that day when Jesus Christ comes again. But the reality is that we live in an evil, sin-perverted world. So simply living life every day is hard. It really is. We struggle to continue on. We have to face disease, pain, death. We face injustice. People wrong us. And so we cry, Oh Lord, how long? How long must we endure the effects of sin in our world? How long must we wait until Jesus returns? How long? How long? Habakkuk is not the only one who asks this question. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 74, O oh God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? Why withdrawest thou thine hand, even thy right hand? In Psalm 94, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger, and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Now, if you're starting to think, this is an Old Testament thing, and we're New Testament believers and we know what Jesus Christ has done for us. We have more revelation from God. We don't have the right to lament today. Well, there's lament in the New Testament as well. Revelation chapter 6. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? 
So we know that our God is just, that he will mete out that justice. It's part of his character. And yet, we see this injustice all around us. God is just, and yet there's injustice. It's the classic argument against Christianity that says, if God is good, or we could say if God is just, and God is all-powerful, there would not be evil in the world. Yet there's evil in the world. And how do we resolve that dilemma? Well, the answer we're going to come to is we have to live by faith. That God will be just. That he will bring that justice at some point in the future when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. And like Habakkuk, we cry out to the Lord in prayer. It seems we receive no answer. Injustice, violence, and evil continue to abound. That's what it was like in Habakkuk's day, and it is the same today. I have a friend who served time in prison because of a crime he did not commit. But yet, we know of many others who commit crimes and yet are not held accountable. And not only that, but our society actually encourages behavior that is unrighteous. Whether that be sexual activity outside of a marriage covenant or simply the violence and the rebellion, the lawlessness that we see in our society. Evil just simply abounds in our society. Injustice abounds. But like I say, I can't preach this message without giving you a little bit of hope. When I say a statement like evil abounds, I can't help but think of Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So in our lamenting, we cannot lose sight of the hope that God's grace provides. Everything around us looks grim. There's no doubt about that. But we have a glorious future to look forward to. We can't forget that. But again, our focus this evening is on this beginning stage. We're, we're going to look just briefly at the end of Habakkuk, and we'll see where he comes out here. But he begins by lamenting. And God does not rebuke him for it. And like we said, throughout the Psalms, there are laments. This, this is part of the way that we express our concern, our care to the Lord, what it is that burdens us. And the Lord invites us to lament. Now, how do we know that? This verse doesn't specifically say that. This passage doesn't say that. Well, perhaps one of the best invitations is 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. 
casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What is a care? It's a burden, a concern, a trial. What is Habakkuk doing in these verses? He is casting his burden on the Lord. He's asking, oh Lord, how long? So this is the first question that we can ask in our lament to the Lord. How long, O Lord? But Habakkuk also gives us a second question. And we find this question in verses 3 and 4. And that is the question of why. Why? We may ask the reason why we must endure injustice. Look at verses 3 and 4 with me. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Again, we see Habakkuk is highlighting all of this evil that is so prevalent in his society. And he's saying, Why? Why am I seeing all of this evil? If you are a just God, if you are a merciful God, why do you allow this injustice to continue? And like the nation of Judah, we too are on this pathway of wickedness and evil. Why is the Lord tolerating the evil in our society. Why does he not send either, on the one hand, judgment to punish those evildoers, or, on the other hand, why doesn't he send revival? In either his justice or his mercy, why doesn't he solve the problem? We ask why. And you know one thing that we have to recognize is that God never really answers the question. He never really tells us why. Sometimes we have to be content that God is in control and we don't know why things happen. He does answer Habakkuk's questions to a certain degree. He speaks about how he is going to judge the nation of Judah. But he doesn't give us all the answers. And we have to be content with that. Now perhaps the most noteworthy why question asked in Scripture is that of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And if you wondered if it's wrong to ask why, I think this is a good answer to that question. If Jesus himself Ask the Father why. It can't be sin. It cannot be wrong. Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus himself asked why. But again, 
we cannot demand an answer. So really, when we're asking these questions, how long and why, it is not so much that we are coming for an answer, as it is that we are coming to the Lord expressing the fact that we don't have the answers. That he alone has the answers. Whether he chooses to reveal them to us or not. But I said that I would try to leave you with some hope. So turn with me to the end of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. And look at verse, verses 17 through 19 with me. Depending on how you look at this, you may not find this very hopeful. But this is where Habakkuk ends. And I think it's where we have to conclude ourselves. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. He says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom... Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. This is where Habakkuk ends the book. I don't understand why these things are happening, but I choose to rejoice in God regardless. No matter the injustice, I choose to rejoice. I choose to trust in God. I choose to live by faith. So my invitation for you this evening is to come to the Lord in lament. To ask these questions of how long and why. But ultimately... We cannot remain in lament. We have to recognize that life doesn't always make sense, but God is still sovereign. God is still in control. So cast your burden on the Lord today and find the peace that He alone can give. And that is how you live.